Hey everyone, this is John Gunter. You're listening to the Eagle Community Church of Christ Teaching Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. This week we are continuing our series in Revelation, talking about three churches in Revelation chapter 2. Talking about the churches of Ephesus, Pergamum, and Thyatira. This is, uh, I think, a fun study. This is probably the section of Revelation that we're most comfortable with. Uh, not a lot of uh, figurative language or anything like that, but uh, there is a lot of, lear- uh, of learning that we can do here as we look at the way Jesus responds to some of the churches of that time. So the quest for us is to look in the mirror and say, hey, what are we doing well or what are we doing not so well? That's my encouragement for all of us. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you soon. Remember that, okay? That's that's my uh, understanding, and hopefully you understand it the same way. If Jesus says, no one knows the end but the Father, I'm going to go with that, okay? So I'm not going to go read Revelation thinking, I can solve this. Jesus couldn't, but I can solve this. So uh, not necessary. And, and again, today we start Revelation 2, and this is still probably the most uh, the part of Revelation that we're most comfortable with. Again, we are, at least in the way I was brought up, Revelation 1 through 3 was safe, okay? Because what we're going to talk about today is the letters to the churches. And we spent a lot of time in that, and if your church is anything like mine, we really focused on that letter to the church at Laodicea. You remember that? Uh, we're going to talk about that uh, soon, but not this morning. Before we get into that, I want to uh, show you a couple of uh, resources again that if you want to do some deeper study, uh, these are out there and really good. Uh, Revelation and the End of All Things, the second edition by Craig Coaster. Uh, very good. It, it's a high level. It's not getting down in the weeds of all uh, of everything. Uh, so it's something you can pick up and uh, have a lot of fun with. And uh, number two is this uh, NIVAC. This is a whole series. So you can get one on uh, any book of the Bible. Uh, but Revelation by Craig Keener, really good as well. Again, uh, it's not going to get down in the weeds of Greek or anything like that. I have some uh, commentaries like that, and you'll study for an hour and a half and realize you're about a, a half a verse through, you know, when you need to cover a lot. And so this is one of those, you don't have to do that. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. So this part of, again, Revelation, uh, I think we've covered really well because we look at the letters to the churches and we, we see, hey, maybe there are some things we can learn here. Right, And so what we take from this, I think we've handled this very well. We've looked at uh, these churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira. That is uh, Revelation chapter 2. We're actually today going to take out Smyrna because it's uh, the other three have a lot in common, and so we're going to cover those together. We're not skipping it. We'll be back. Uh, but if you miss 8 through 11, that's why we're going to skip it today. Uh, and, and so let's just read this, and then we'll discuss it. Revelation 2, starting in verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Hard to clear. There we go. 
Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. To the angel of the church in Pergamum, right? These are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you, have, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make uh, those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my father. I will also give that one the morning star. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All right, sorry for the, the intermittent pauses in there. So that is probably the part that you're most comfortable with. You've probably heard that before. You might have ignored the rest of Revelation, but you've probably heard a lot of that and may remember it. And again, I think we have handled this part of Revelation very, very well, because again, we have looked, it's like, if Jesus is talking to churches, we need to pay attention, right? If Jesus is looking down on churches and saying, here's what you've done well, here's what you've done very poorly, we ought to be standing there with a Bible and a mirror in our hand, right? Did you notice all throughout there and what you'll see in other passages as well, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So this wasn't just written to those churches, it was written to those churches, but other people who hear these words need to be hearing. Just because you have ears on your head, that doesn't mean anything, right? He who has ears, let him actually hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so as we look at these things, let's do so again with a mind to what do we do well or what do we do poorly? Uh, Paul is sharing with me uh, after service, uh, after the first service, uh, one thing he had encountered before in a previous church for him 
is after they went through this study, he said, uh, the guy who was teaching through it said, I want the church, I want you individually to write a letter as if, you know, this was uh, what we think we're doing well or what we think we're doing poorly. He says, interesting to see, you know, the people sitting here, how we actually examine ourselves and what we see. Wouldn't that be an interesting exercise? But that's part of, if you have ears to hear, let him hear. Don't go in here and think, ah, oh, we got it all together because we probably don't, right? Uh, some of us skip churches or, you know, go to different churches all the time thinking that'll be the perfect church over there. And we say, no, it's not because you went there, right? Because you're a person, right? And so we need to pay attention to what it says. So going back to Ephesus, we can see both the good and the bad. Now, some of these churches don't have any good, unfortunately. But the good of Ephesus says, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. You cannot tolerate wicked people. You have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. You have persevered, endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. And then he says, also, you hate the practices of the Nicolaitans. But man, wouldn't you love for Jesus to show up this morning and say something like that? This, this Lakewood church that, that moved over here, Eagle Community Church of Christ, man, I have seen your hard work, your perseverance, the way that you, you test people when they say, I'm from God, you're not just accepting those people. You, you want to find out, are, are what they, is what they're teaching really from God? Are they really an apostle, a sent one from God? And so, man, we would we'd kinda, we'd kind of probably have bruises from patting ourselves on the back, wouldn't we? It's interesting, he says, you hate the practices of the Nicolaitans. We're going to talk about that in a minute because for the other churches you heard, it was a negative because they'd fallen into that. But for them, this is a church who had done a lot of things, hard work, perseverance, right? They had faced tough circumstances and gone through it. But that's not the end of it, is it? He says, the bad, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Well, that's kind of tough, isn't it? I shared this story. Luckily, my wife wasn't here first service. and second service, she's with the kids, so I can tell this again. So you'll have to listen to the podcast, I guess. But I told this story recently as well, but when Katie and I first got married, uh, it was in August. Don't recommend it. Wait till a cooler month, by the way. We got married in a glass chapel. Second terrible decision in August. Because the sun, people thought I was nervous. The sun was beaming down on my head, and I was glistening. Uh, not one of those nice glistening, like uh, uh, pregnant type of thing, but uh, it was, it was, you know, it looks nervous and all that. Don't do that. When we first got married, uh, deer season came around. I love to hunt, love to be out in nature. And uh, Katie started saying that she was a deer widow again because I was gone and I was hunting, and so I felt bad. I'm newly married husband, and my wife's already saying I'm not home enough. And so I started staying home more. Well, by the end of deer season, Katie said, why aren't you hunting more? And so I, I got the message, okay? I need to get out of this house. And so we would joke with each other and everything and say, well, I guess the honeymoon's over. But when you see something like this written to a church, you have lost the love you had at first, okay? Now, we understand in marriage that you're not chasing that feeling that you had when you first started dating or you got that first kiss or what, you know, all the new stuff. Yeah, you know, because if you're chasing that, you're never going to settle down, are you? Because that's not going to happen the same way over and over with the same person, right? So we'll just be scattered. We know not to do that. 
and, and so we know that's not what we're chasing, but do you remember that, that feeling you had at your baptism? Anybody remember that? Like you may not even remember the date, but you remember the feeling you had coming up knowing that I have pledged allegiance to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And everything for me, at least, felt right in the world. You know, I knew I was facing a lot of things, you know, that, that were coming at me. But everything felt right because I felt at that moment, I am right with God. And I think what Jesus is saying is, though you are a hardworking, persevering church, you have drifted away. You have lost that passion that you once had for following me. And the thing is, with this and other things that he addresses to other churches, is it's not a decision, I don't think, to do that. It's a slow move away from it, right? Just things happen over time. You look up, and all of a sudden, okay, I haven't sent my wife any flowers in months or years. Uh, Katie and I are, are real romantic. So, you know, around holidays or anniversaries, a lot of times we just pay bills. Anybody else like that? <laughs> like that's the romantic, you know, keeps the fire going type of thing. Let's pay off that credit card. <laughs> yeah, some of, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. But, but sometimes it can feel like, okay, that you just kind of look up and you realize, yeah, we have done some good things, but we've also kind of drifted away. And that's what Jesus is saying to this church. You lost the love you had at first. He said, consider how far you've fallen. He's just saying, look, look around, evaluate yourself. And he says, repent, do the things you did at first. Start doing that again. Put in that effort, get that passion back for serving me. To the uh, church in Pergamum, he says, I know where you live where Satan has his throne. Well, that, that hurt my feelings as Jesus walked in. I really like this area, by the way. I, this is home for me. If y'all don't know this about us yet, this is home for us. So y'all going to have to drive us away. I mean, y'all going to have to bring some movers if y'all want us to leave. We're not packing and leaving. But if he walked, if Jesus walked in here today and says, uh, I know you guys live where Satan has his throne. Like, hold on just a second. I'm going to explain that more in just a second. He says, yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Again, that's tough, right? But he's talking to this church who has actually lost a brother in Christ. They have been persecuted right there in front of them. Now, we may know of missionaries who have faced persecution, but anybody at Lakewood or Eagle Community ever had a brother or sister that sits in these chairs just be killed because of religious persecution. Like, this is foreign to us, isn't it? But the church there kept going. They kept following Jesus, even when one of their own was put to death because of it. Now, that's a really good positive, in my opinion. Now, about this thing uh, where Satan lives or where Satan has his throne, Pergamum was a, 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 one, of the best, one of the best cities uh, in Asia Minor. It was, it was a happening place. What you're seeing right there is the Greek god of medicine, Asclepius. There's a couple of different spellings, uh, but this is what uh, Wikipedia had at the time, so I went with that. Uh, can you see, again, the god of medicine, can you see his staff? Can you see what's on the staff? I'm sorry? Serpent, yeah, snake. Okay, so Greek god of medicine, you got a, a staff, with a serpent. That's still with us today, that symbol. Now, you can find that where the staff's by itself or the serpent's by itself, uh, but then eventually, especially later on, they became combined. This is uh, the flag for the World Health Organization, okay? 
I don't know if anybody's ever seen the World Health Organization flag. If you're like me, you're asking, why do they have a flag? Or who has that flag? Is somebody flying that flag at their house? I don't know. But if, if uh, uh, we have been taught by the Big Bang Theory or uh, Spring Texas native Jim Parsons, if, we've been, if he's taught us anything, it's that even your apartment needs a flag. Okay, so flags are important. Symbols are important, right? And if you hadn't seen the World Health Organization before, I bet you've seen this symbol, right? Again, I had to, I had to kind of say this first service. I'm not saying if you're a healthcare worker that you're following, you know, something, something bad here. Because what is the symbol for Satan in Genesis? The serpent. Where Satan lives, where Satan is on his throne. Can you see the influence? All right, that's still with us today. You can you can see this here on a on an ambulance. Yeah. Even the, you know what the Hippocratic Oath is? So when you go to medical school, you have to take this oath where I'm not gonna do no harm. You know, I'm gonna, I got to hear my sister go through it, which was great, but uh, this is the original Hippocratic Oath. I swear by Apollo Healer, by Asclepius, who we just saw the picture of, uh, by Hygieia, by Panacea, and by all the gods and goddesses, making them my witnesses. That's the original Hippocratic Oath. And so you see the, the pressure that these people were under in this big city that was, you know, all these gods and goddesses you know, with that influence right there. Isn't that interesting? And here today, we still have a symbol from that time on our ambulances and stuff. To me, that's just fascinating. Uh, but he says, even though they had these good things, he says, nevertheless, I have a few things uh, against you. You hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice Israelites to sin, so that they ate food, sacrificed idols, and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. So let's talk about all this. You remember the story of Balaam? Balaam was that prophet of God who uh, kind of sells himself out to Balak the king. He wants to get money for what he's doing and his, his ability to stand and talk to Israel and you know, convince them of things. And he has that weird instance where he's riding his donkey and all of a sudden the donkey stops and starts talking to him. And we're going, what do I do with that? <laughs> I can't relate to, to Balaam on this deal. Uh, but, but the whole deal, why he says Balaam and Balak here, is the people are kind of selling themselves over to these other influences. So they are being influenced by the world. Is this relevant for the church today? Say yes. It is. And so Jesus says, what I'm seeing here is you're kind of selling out, you're kind of accepting some of these things. Now, Balaam, what Balak wanted Balaam to do is curse Israel. And the story there was God turned those curses into blessings for Israel. But what Balaam did do is he told Balak, you don't need to persecute these people. What you need to do is befriend them. Make Israel your friend. And when he did that, Israel said, well, we'll be good neighbors. And so they start trying to, you know, kind of work on that relationship. And what they started doing was having these kind of uh, meals with food sacrificed to idols. So what does that look like? At minimum, it has the appearance of worshiping another god, right? But probably what they were doing was kind of adopting more of that than just the appearance. And so it also says there's sexual immorality. That is probably two things. That is probably actual sexual immorality. It's probably immorality in the sense of, you remember how God taught Hosea about his relationship with Israel? Hosea had to marry this woman who was never satisfied with 
uh, with any husband she had. And, and God's saying, yeah, this is my relationship with Israel. It's kind of holding up the mirror. And, and so that's what we see there. He said, this is what's happening. Even though in this church who has experienced this persecution and has seen one of their own fall, you still have these things that you are walking away. This is not some little small disagreement. This, this is you celebrating uh, these sacrifices to other idols, to other gods. Now, we may be sitting here thinking, you know, I would never do that. But you have to think about what they experienced in their world at that time. Anybody a part of a union ever been, ever been a part of a union? Yeah, okay. A few of you have. So in that time, in that part of the world, if you had a job to provide yourself, your, yourself and your family with money, most likely what you had to do was join some kind of association of other people who did that. And so uh, every association had like a patron god of something or goddess. And so just to be able to put food on your table, you had to decide whether I'm going to associate myself with another god or goddess. The decision is not as easy now, is it? Because that's what you had to do. And so how many of us think, well, you know, God does say we ought to work if we want to eat, and it sure is good to provide for our families, isn't it? Right? And we're sitting here saying, yeah. But what about when you slip into the, these meals that are sacrificed to idols, other gods? See how we slowly drift away. We've kind of okayed some things, and that's exactly what we think the Nicolaitans were about. It kind of became where the church, the people of God, became like synonymous with the culture around it. We like what's in the culture. We, we're influenced by it. And so the church, instead of being distinct, starts looking more and more like the world around it. Is that relevant for today? Say yes. <laughs> it is. And so Jesus is warning these people, you need to turn around because you have walked away. Here in uh, Thyatira, the good, he says, I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Man, I, that, is, that is short and sweet, and I would take it right now, wouldn't you? Eagle Community Church of Christ, your love and faith, your, your perseverance, the way you have persevered, you are now doing more than you did at first. You have grown. And you think, yeah, that's, that's awesome. And then this one has the longest negative. <laughs> He says, nevertheless, I, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality, again, and eating of food, sacrificed idols, again. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. Anybody remember the story of Jezebel? We talked about that last fall uh, in a series we did. And Jezebel was this woman. Uh, she was the, the queen to King Ahab. Every time Elijah started looking like he was teaching King Ahab something, Jezebel stepped in and, and reversed course again. So Jezebel not only didn't like the Israelites, she openly persecuted any of the prophets. Remember, there's this back and forth, back and forth between them. And that was the problem. Jezebel is leading them away. And that's why uh, they call whoever this person is Jezebel. Now, it wasn't because she was a woman that, that they should have been tipped off about the false prophet thing. You remember in Scripture in 1 Corinthians, uh, when you talk about head coverings and things like that, it talks about women prophesying. 
In Acts, you see where Philip had four daughters unmarried who prophesied. Now, it wasn't because she was a woman that you said, oh, it's a false prophet. No, that has nothing to do with it. It was the message she brought that started leading people away. And again, just like all of these other things, I don't think any, there was a Sunday where somebody stood up and stood in front of people and said, you know what we're going to do? Let's start following Jezebel. I think it's a good vision, vision 2020 for our church, right? If we all start following Jezebel and just kind of start, yeah, we can take these, uh, uh, go to these meals, we can celebrate these things to other gods, you know, that'd be good. But it's the slow move away from God. Okay, I need to do this for my family's sake to be able to put food on my table, and we start slowly drifting off into, we don't even recognize ourselves anymore. And that, in my opinion, that's the best way Satan can do something to us. Because what we saw um, even in, in Pergamum where somebody was killed for the sake of Jesus, the church went through that. They persevered through that. But what they didn't get through was the teaching that came in about these things. It wasn't the big scary guy in the front. It was the person sitting in the pews that you didn't think a thing about. They didn't test the person to see if they were false or true, right? And so what happens there is we got to ask, all right, well, is there a teaching we're following? Is there something in culture that's kind of getting into the church where now the church is indistinguishable from the rest of the world or the rest of society? when we should have been following Jesus the whole time. And so again, we sit here with revelation open and a mirror looking and saying, all right, what is it I need to do? Have I lost my first love? Is there something that needs to happen? What I like about this is each and every time, though, there's a lot of bad. <laughs> Jesus says this to Ephesus. He says, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life. So you don't have to eat these meals sacrificed to idols. You have the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. To Pergamum, he says, to the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. Uh, again, eat from something else, not, not this that you're chasing. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name on it, known only to the one who receives it. A lot of scholars think that's probably the name of Jesus, given to the people who really knew him and really followed him. And the Thyatira, he says, to the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations, that one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. I will also give that one the morning star. And so giving power to somebody who probably feels powerless to this society that's all around them, decisions that they feel they have to make to, just to be able to provide or to fit in or whatever the case is. But they're having to do this, and Jesus says, I've got all of that. And you can have it if you will be victorious. And so the question for all of us is, again, how does this apply to me? How does this apply to my church? Am I someone who has slowly drifted away from my relationship with Jesus? Probably you haven't stood up and said, Jesus, I'm not going to follow you anymore. But you may be sitting here this morning saying, now that I look around, maybe I have drifted away. And so we want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. That's the story of all of us that if we don't just very often look at ourselves, we can walk away and not even know it. And so we want to be there for each other. We want to be a church 
who receives that positive feedback and saying, yeah, you persevered through a lot of things. You did some hard work. You had a love for God that Jesus says is good and well done, right? So this morning, we just want to encourage you to make that relationship right with God right now. Because of that, if it begins with you, it can spread to your family and all of our country, uh, all the world. And we need some changes, don't we? We need some things to go right. And it starts right here with people who love Jesus. But you've got to be honest. You can't look at this and uh, with rose-colored glasses. You've got to look and be honest about yourself and about our church and say, what can we do better? What can we praise ourselves for? But what can we say? Man, we need to, need to fix that. But again, we'd love to pray with you. If you've got any needs this morning, would you come as we stand and sing?